welcome back to Finding Fashion. Finally, an eco-fashion podcast that isn't clinically depressing. I'm your host, Pojo. Welcome, you guys. It's so great to see you again. And thank you so much for joining us today. A quick reminder, this podcast is powered by Galaxy. It's a new way to source your favorite fashion pieces, whether you're into vintage, upcycled fashion, or just supporting small businesses and creatives. Galaxy is the place to find your fashion. So if you're interested, you could check it out on their site, shopgalaxy.com. We're going to have all the links below. Join us. Later in the episode, we're actually going to take a break from the convo and spotlight an awesome creator on Galaxy. So stay tuned for that. All right, you guys. On this episode of Finding Fashion, I would really recommend you whip out a notebook because you're going to get schooled in some way, in some form. And I'm very excited because, I mean, I'm always really excited. Listen, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't exciting to me. But I have to say, who we have in studio today is one of my absolute favorite people on the internet. She is putting together some would call a encyclopedia of fashion on a TikTok account, like everything you need in your hand. I can't even begin to explain. She got me so inspired to wear the biggest bow I've ever sourced in my entire life on the top of my head. We've got a fashion writer and trend forecaster in the house. She's building a well-researched encyclopedia of fashion on her TikTok page, and she's predicted some of the major trends we are seeing on runways today. Yes, today. It is fashion month, ending fashion month. So we are seeing it today. She's also very into fashion sustainability, and we can see that through her resale efforts online. You know her. You love her. You might call her an old loser in Brooklyn, but I think that title does not do her justice. It's Mandy. Welcome to Finding Fashion. Thank you for being here. Hey, guys. So good to be here. (laughs) What a great intro. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I was serious. When I tell you, like, your page is one of those pages where I can't say this this happens all the time. I and mean, we've been very lucky with some awesome guests on the show. But you seriously have schooled me in more ways than one. Like every time I'm watching a video from you, it's either you're inspiring with your outfits, you're telling me about a show that I just missed, or you're giving like the rundown on things that I just wouldn't have seen otherwise. Like you just have such an eye for what you do. And I'm just so grateful yeah. to have you on the show because you're seriously an inspiration thank to what you. we're doing. That's so nice. No, thank of course. You. No, thank you. Um, I, I mean, where do we even begin? I guess I really want to start with the rundown on like everything you do, because it's really hard to put into words. If you couldn't tell, I was a little flustered even trying to explain what's going on here. How did you get started as Mandy in all the things you do? And did you always work in fashion? Are you from New York? Like, give me the gist. Give me the rundown. No, no, <laughs> simply no. Um, I grew up in a really small rural area in New England where there's like nothing there's uh I mean the closest city is like you know an hour and a half away so when I was growing up it was I was mostly thrifting um because that was kind of like fun for my friends and I and it was also for context I'm 30 and thrifting was not cool (laughs) when we were like (laughs) teenagers um that that comes with like a lot of classism and elitism within like secondhand and vintage, which I'm so happy that has been completely, I think, shifted in oh, recent yeah. years. Um, but that's kind of what me and my friends would do when we were bored. Um, there was a Savers nearby. So that's kind of how I got into fashion um, at kind of a young age. But I never really thought that I would be able to work in fashion just because, you know, it's kind of a industry built on sort of like nepotism but not just nepotism it's more like you need to know someone you need to do unpaid internships that used to be how it was again I think it's 
changing slowly, but that's kind of, I just never really thought I'd be able to do it. Um, And I've been in uh, forecasting in several different industries for the last six going on seven years and was able to pivot by building my skill set essentially. So I would, if anyone feels like it's hopeless and they want to work in fashion, I would really recommend building your skill set in different industries and then being able to pivot later on in your career because that's kind of the gist of what I did. Um, And I think just like putting your work out there, but basically to, to answer your question, how I started on TikTok, I guess it was like, I first started talking about fashion around a year ago. Like right now it was in like, February, March of last year, which is crazy that it's only been a year. And I feel like my life has just like drastically changed by having this platform. But I basically like joined TikTok and the only fashion content that I was seeing a lot was trends I hate. And I just... (laughs) Fuck, can I swear? You can swear. I fucking hate that content <laughs> because it's like, okay, everyone has an opinion. Of course. of course. Like you should have an opinion, of course. But it's kind of like, what kind of message are we like sending here where it's like, I hate everything that's trendy just because like it is trendy. So mm-hmm. I feel like I started making content and like little trend reports to kind of like debunk this like negative vibe I was feeling on yeah. fashion TikTok. And my page just kind of grew from there and it really pivoted into more like commentary and criticism. Like I wouldn't call myself a fashion critic necessarily. That's not really like my area of expertise, but you know, I won't be shy to like critique something that's going on in the industry or show or whatever, but always trying to like put a somewhat positive spin on it because I just really don't like resonate with negative content or like being mean to people or like being rude about people's styles so like if I honestly if I see content like that still to this day it's just like an automatic block no for (laughs) sure I don't know like I think TikTok can be like a really toxic place and I know people don't like my content um but I know I can stand behind that it's positive yeah I think analyst is like the perfect term for what you do because you really are every breakdown you've done even yeah exactly like the criticisms that you'd like say are criticisms are not to a point where it's about you're wrong, I'm right. And I think that's the tone on oh, TikTok no, with no. so much of fashion, like fashion content in general. Um, I know, I mean, we've we've talked to some creators too who get so much criticism based off what they wear and people will just tell you like, this is wrong, this looks wrong. I'm sure you get outfit criticism as well. But the irony is like, it's just not about that. It's more about like education. And I think you fill these really important pockets of fashion like that don't have coverage, you know, like we see mm-hmm. it. I mean, you and I would see it in New York. We have like so many different like communities surrounding fashion, like, yeah. like the grungy communities that are like into like archival fashion and these people that collect and like that's super cool, but it's hard to be it's hard to see it really tangibly in front of you on the internet and I think you do such a great job at that like seriously you kill it yeah so you were interested in fashion though a year ago so was it just like one day you're like you know what like I've been researching and I want to share what I've found or how did it really pivot into fashion because I mean from multiple industries as and like you were saying Mm -hmm. before I agree the barrier of entry is so intense especially like when you try to get into this space like how did how was that pivot for you oh no I've wanted to work in fashion since I was like a little kid like I always knew that that was my like end goal my north star 
But so when I graduated college, I started working at a really small, like tiny, tiny local magazine, writing more like lifestyle about the area because it was like a local kind of magazine. And that was what they all their content centered around. So that was my first like writing gig. And then I was like, this isn't like I I don't want to write about this stuff. Um, So I got an entry level customer service job at a huge tech company in Boston and was able to pivot into my first analyst position like two or three months later. And I've been working as an analyst for six years in various different industries. So I went from e-com, like tech company Mm e-com, to beer, which was really, really fun, kind of random, but I learned so much from that job. Um, And then to beauty. And then I knew as I knew if I could get into the beauty industry, I'd probably have an easier time getting into the fashion industry because they're kind of they're not necessarily like interchangeable. But once you get there in I think in New York City, it's easier because the pool of people are kind of like they they cross over oh, yeah. rubbing shoulders all the time. Yeah. For sure. So beauty people will go to fashion, fashion people will go to beauty. And, you know, it's just that's just kind of like how the industries work here. Yeah. And I, I thought, OK, like this is my way to get in. So, no, I've been playing the long game for like 12 years. Wow. For literally. I mean, it probably could have happened faster, but I didn't have um, like a lot of money until and I, I still don't have a lot of money, but I didn't really have like the money to support that right. move from uh, New England to New York until yeah. my like mid 20s. So I think everyone like the point is I still I mean, like my my career, my path has not been linear mm-hmm. at all. And that's so valid. Yeah. And actually, I think a lot of career fashion folks do judge that. So. But that's something I am very, very, very transparent with on my page. It's like one of my pinned videos Mm -hmm. because like I think people need to hear that where it's like you don't like as soon as you graduate college, you don't need to work all these unpaid internships. There are other ways. There's not just one like this is how you do it type of way. And I feel like people need to hear that. I think that's really, really important. And and so when did TikTok really become like that, I guess, foundation of, you know, your content? Because were you doing Mm -hmm. the research outside and like doing the writing first and then started pivoting to TikTok? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my first writing gig was, let's see, that was what, seven ish years ago. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like, again, like kind of gave up on it (laughs) a little bit because it, it felt like, again, something so far away. And I think when you get into your into your career mm-hmm. um you know you're starting to make like more money than you did as an entry-level person and then you get used to sort of like that level of um income and lifestyle and whatever and then it's like very hard to think about starting over mm-hmm. so that's sort of like where I was and I was actually really really happy with my job in beauty because I was doing I was a product marketing manager so I was essentially like researching all of these like beauty trends um I worked in hair care specifically. So that was so fun. And, you know, getting to research into like different hair types and what their needs were and um, like different ingredients that were trending and just like really fun, interesting things like that. But then COVID happened and I was part of the layoffs, like the mass COVID layoffs. And I was like, well, fuck. Like I literally felt like I lost my dream job, like Mm -hmm. completely heartbroken. And up until that point, I was really like, somebody who drank the corporate Kool-Aid, like I was, I think, I forget what, um, like event it was at my last, at my company, but I won like most school spirit essentially, because I was that girl that like pushed that this brand on my 
Instagram with like 500 followers, yeah. like any chance I would get. Um, and then that really changed for me when I was laid off because I'm like, well, I just lost my favorite job ever. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have nothing to like, I have nothing without my work. And that's like, if anyone's going through that, like, please find something else to make you happy mm-hmm. that it doesn't have to be tied to money. It doesn't have to be tied to success. Just find something to make you happy because like that stuff can just, the rug can be pulled out from underneath you at, you know, I excelled in that role yeah. and I was still um, laid off. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I downloaded TikTok for fun because I, I didn't know who I was without my work. I, really just wanted to be distracted while I was like on the job hunt. Mm-hmm. And I started shit posting basically because yeah. that's kind of where my username comes from too. Like I downloaded the app, didn't think anything would happen. And now I'm basically stuck with it. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, wait, was yeah. That, so that was kind of just like a shit posting name. You were like, oh, yeah. old loser in Brooklyn. It was actually it. old stoner in Brooklyn, but then I got banned um, because uh, they didn't want me to have that in my name. So I changed it slightly. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> this is when I like first, first downloaded this it. Is, we also for, did didn't realize how family friendly TikTok was going to take it. They were oh, like, yeah. "Stoner, you're done. You're yeah. done. You're out of here." Yeah, <laughs> that's um, crazy. They did not want that. Oh no. <laughs> um, but my first, also, if anyone's curious, my first video is kind of tied to that. If it's still up, they didn't take that down yet. So. Oh, there we go. Have fun. Deep dive. That, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how it um, started. And then wow. again, I ended. I ended up being on. I mean, I never thought that like. I didn't even find fashion TikTok for a long time. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just like, you know, a dancing, like shit posting, funny app. Yeah. And then there was, I, I feel like I maybe saw one or two more fashion commentators uh, like around a year ago. And I was like, wait, like this is what I like to do. This was kind of my old world. Um, I w- it was a little different because I was more putting together like presentations, but that's kind of I use the green screen effect. That's my that's my style. Yeah. Um, when I'm filming, and I'm like, this is kind of like a PowerPoint, but better. A hundred percent. I'm the text instead of <laughs> having to type it on PowerPoint or Prezi or whatever. Like this is kind. It kind of reminds me of that a little bit, and I do actually take my page quite seriously i treat it like my resume and look what's happened like it that has really worked for for my career and for my credibility but that's kind of how i treated it at the beginning and i still do but i really saw this like lack of um commentators who were coming at the angle of um, analysis Mm -hmm. and sort of like understanding the cultural and socioeconomical reasons why things are the way they are. And, you know, people can say like, this is trending, go buy it. That's really not what my page is about. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, if you don't, if you don't like actually hear what I'm saying, it could probably be taken that way. And I understand that criticism and it's, valid because a lot of people are like touchy about trends um i made a video around a year ago that went viral kind of explaining the concept of a micro trend Mm -hmm. and now i see people using that like in complete wrong way so things can like backfire on you in that way too like chuggy like the original yeah yeah i did not come up with chuggy for (laughs) the record um somebody asked me that in my live the other day and i'm like where did no like i'm not that girl sorry but also i feel bad for that person because it just completely got taken 
out of hand. Oh yeah. Um, microtrend. I don't think it, it went that far, but people use it in, like just to describe things they don't oh, like. Oh, I hear it all the time. I mean, yeah. but I have to say it has created a really healthy separation between like what fast fashion pushes through what yeah very genuine micro micro trends, and I think those types of like foundations of fashion like i think especially fast fashion like feeds on micro trends versus like watching the new chanel couture show where like things are a little bit more substantial and you're not going to forget about it in a month it's actually archived now and it's going to be there forever like i mean i i I don't know how you feel about it but like when i go to the thrift store and i see a Shein piece i like get really upset because i realize how quickly these things cycle out. And I think that's really what your point was too with that is just like to identify, like it's not about criticizing people that like a micro trend or whatever. It's more so like understanding that like some things have longevity and some things don't. And if it's, if it's having like a little like current and it's having its moment then like, okay, it's there. But I don't think you've ever been like so critical of people. And like, especially, I mean, I'm, I'm shouting out brands right now that maybe, you know, I'm name dropping and targeting a certain demographic of people that shop there but my point isn't that it's more so like a mindfulness around what we're consuming and i think you've actually just pushed that over anything you know regardless of where people are shopping it's just about things that they care about and like want to hold on to more yeah and like i i mean all my trend reports and predictions and stuff like really are coming at the angle of arming people with knowledge yeah 100 and sometimes people will message me and be like i didn't even know like that this was a trend or was something that would be trending. And, you know, I I am going to kind of like avoid it, I think, because I've been, th- you know, feeling like I need to buy this. And it's sort of like those comments. It's like, that's great. Like, mm-hmm. and then on the flip side, it's like you talked about this six months ago and I did hop on the trend. And I'm so glad I did mm-hmm. because I love this piece and I never would have known about it yeah. had not been for my report or whatever. Yeah. So I, I feel like all my all my videos and stuff like my intention is to arm people with knowledge to make the best decision that they can make and that's why i always talk about like personal style too is people people are always going to buy trends trends are never going to not exist it's just the fact of uh capitalism Mm -hmm. and the fashion industry that pulls in billions of dollars a year like they're not going to stop so it's better to change the narrative of Look, you're not stupid. You're you don't dress bad if you participate in trends. Just be mindful and think about are they your personal style? Can you wear them 30 different times? Like are you going to actually get your wear per dollar mm-hmm. for this item that you want to participate in? Don't like and I agree with you about the Shein thing because I feel like when things are priced so low like that, it something switches in your brain where it's like this is disposable now and I can just buy it and it's like nothing Mm -hmm. but something that I've done because I still thrift I still you know buy things that are cheap like I'll lowball on eBay it's like my favorite thing to do (laughs) but it doesn't like my mindset has just changed where it doesn't matter how much something costs I think about it as an investment no matter what like it could be $20 it could be $400 that is an investment that I'm intentionally bringing into my wardrobe Mm -hmm. and that's really like my message with pretty much everything i talk about like wear whatever you want seriously if it's a trend if it's not like if it's chuggy like it doesn't really matter like as long as you think about it as like a long-term thing that you're gonna love and treat with respect 100 100 percent. like everything you're saying resonates so much and i think this mindfulness that you carry with your 
your content is so one hard to come by on tiktok is as you know people like the shitposting content and like shitposting culture on tiktok makes it so even content feels disposable mm. but like what you really sure. are creating is super like substantial and i know it's gonna like stand the test of time and i'm sure i mean look i was going through your archive and i was like damn i'm learning i'm learning about things that she was posting about like last year in like may that i didn't even know existed but now it's like the wheels are turning i'm like i should hit the real reel or something and check it out and yeah. see if I, you know what i mean like sure it, it just yeah it's a testament to that um i'm sure though you get like um, a fair amount of negative comments about trends that you're reporting on and stuff like everyone has an opinion like did you start to experience or how, i guess i should really ask like how has like feedback on tiktok affected your work like do you feel like you listen to negative comments or how do you see them in relationship to the work you do so uh, um <laughs> let's see where do i even start um i had a video go viral last summer um and it was the first time i ever got like dozens of death threats like in my inbox I... and they weren't necessarily like they weren't like kill yourself yeah they were more like take your toaster to your bed like oh random, my god kind of like beating around the bush and of course like i know most of them were empty but it was kind of like weird to experience that and it actually has changed the way that um i make my content um mm -hmm. i tr again like sometimes like uh like indie sleaze for example that video took on a life of its own because that was not really even about fashion completely. Mm -hmm. It was more about like people are calling it the vibe shift now. Yeah. And that's what I have pivoted to talking about. I've also changed like it's not always fashion. Like I talked about an editorial mm -hmm. prediction, like a photography style, stuff like that, where it's not just about like the clothing because for some reason like people get very like – I don't know. It's I guess it's polarizing, but it's also like if you don't like it, you don't have to. Buy, no one's exactly. telling you to. And and something very dangerous, I think, with TikTok and like shortening attention spans, people are talking that that might be happening. Yeah. Is this like? I feel like nuance has gone to die <laughs> on TikTok and on short form content, where you know people think in black and white and almost yeah. like can't critically think about what they're consuming. Exactly. So I'm much, much more mindful about providing as much nuance as I possibly can. And if people have issue with it, I tell them to watch it again. Yeah. And that makes them mad too. But it's like, you didn't hear me the first time. Please just watch this again. That's so fair. Though. Um. Yeah. But I don't know. Like I will say, get it, you know, like being on the app for a year, mm -hmm being one of like the og fashion commentators you really are like you seriously like led so many people to tiktok to even want to like create a space to talk about fashion the way you do yeah i'm glad for it too um and how how people are a lot more mindful because that's mm -hmm. basically the whole point exactly of my page but <laughs> if you guys couldn't hear me over the toaster comments <laughs> right like, what it's really just about being mindful and like I will arm people with knowledge from my research mm -hmm. from like simply reiterating to shop mindfully, yeah. consume mindfully, just wear what you want. But I also am not going to stop posting what I care about. I think like what I what I try to do whenever I make my videos and write my scripts is approach it as if a beginner was watching it mm -hmm. because I'm not here to prove that I know everything because guess what I don't. 
if you've worked in fashion for or any industry, any like industry within the arts or even not the arts, it's impossible to know everything. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to be an expert in every specific area. I'm knowledgeable in a couple of areas. I'm not knowledgeable in many other areas. Like my references, I'm not that great with references. I have a handful of designers that I know I could bet my life on if I saw them out in the wild, but that is not my specialty whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I'm more versed in fashion history and like how culture interacts with fashion and of course trend history. But all the other areas, no, I'm not an expert in. And I think it's like, something that turned me off in the beginning when I was a beginner was feeling this like elitism, like this elitist energy. Um, So that's why when I make my content and write my scripts, I am trying to do it in a way that a beginner could understand. Mm -hmm. And somebody who's much more versed in it could like, of course, engage with as well. Right, right. But like there, there, I think my content has done well because it's approachable and it's, I'm not like, judging people Mm -mm. for not knowing and like happy to explain you know like I I just I don't know (laughs) I think you do a great job and you know it's it's really cool to see how mindful you are of the feedback you get and I think that shows just how like empathetic you are towards your viewers and the people that watch you and care but I don't know I'm very team you in the sense that like I think it's important that you express your interpretations of it because that's the point of fashion anyways right like the show wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for Mm -hmm. people having opinions on clothes and the fact and i I, it does go back to this idea of like everyone needs to just get off their high horse drink a matcha chill out for a second meditate and then actually look at clothing and tell me you feel as intensely as you did when you're watching the video because the truth is it's it's just a garment and i this is something that another guest said before was like for God's sake, it's just clothes. Like the fact that it could bring yeah. people to such dark places. I understand how heavy fashion can really feel to a lot of people, but just know you've been doing things more mindfully and incredibly. And Thanks. I don't think you have to <laughs> stress about Thanks. a thing, but I think it just shows who you are as a person. Thank you. Of course. Um, which It kind of actually leads me into, you know, something that I really love about what you talk about online. And recently you've talked about it quite a bit. Um, you've really shed light on like body exclusivity in fashion. Mm, and that's yeah. something that I like snaps because it's something as you know is still taboo weirdly enough even though a lot of major publications and fashion people will turn it into a point to monetize truthfully and they'll try to pivot their businesses to that um what steps do brands need to take in your eyes to make the future of fashion more accessible or how have you seen these issues arise now and like how can we really push towards that like what are your thoughts on it uh, a great step would be to make clothes oversize XL. <laughs> T. Uh, hello. <laughs> um, a lot of brands don't feel like it's um. What's the word? Hold on, I'm trying to think. A lot of people think that they're not going to sell. Mm-hmm. And yeah, what I have to say to that is, how do you expect? plus size folks to trust your brand if you've never made plus size clothing it's going to take time to build that trust and to gain that customer base it's not going to happen overnight like and these brands these brands will hide behind that where it's like well we did a capsule collection with size 1x to 3x and it didn't sell guess the fuck what you weren't marketing it right yes you weren't putting the effort and photography behind it like you do with straight size 
clothing and editorials. And then you have, I, I, this is obviously like, I'm some, I'm very passionate about this because I wouldn't have learned about how frustrating this is without being on TikTok and listening to plus size folks, because guess what? My experience as a straight size person like really doesn't matter, but I can give a voice to this and use my platform to elevate their voices. Mm-hmm. And something that I I picked up by having these conversations with plus size folks is the Paloma Mew Mew micro miniskirt on the ID cover. Mm-hmm. I was like so happy to see that because Paloma is at the top of her game as a model, not yeah. a plus size model, as a model. Yes. And Mimi made that custom. Yeah. No, like somebody who's Paloma's size, which by the way, she would be considered midsize. She's not really, exactly. she's not plus size. Exactly. But as a model, she's considered plus size because she's not straight size. And by straight size, I mean a size two or four. Yes. <laughs> and they made that skirt custom for her. That is performative. 100%. That is performative. Mm-hmm. You like they are doing that to show that they quote care and can cater to a size what sixteen maybe, but you can't go buy it. You gotta order it custom, and that's performative. A hundred percent. If you could change anything about the fashion industry, what would it be right now? Big and daunting question, but. Mm. I mean, since we're on the topic, I would say I would say not just include more plus size bodies, but hire them, mm-hmm. pay them mm-hmm. like you need you need fit models. You need spokespeople. You need um, consultants. Oh, yeah. You know, I would say probably I mean, that really needs to happen. And like, here's the thing. I, I forget the exact statistic, but I think the plus size industry as it stands right now is like a $26 billion industry, and that's largely fast fashion. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, they haven't even scratched the surface, and to say it's not going to sell is bullshit. Because it's obviously selling everywhere else. Right. right. <laughs> because that's – you need to put the time in to get plus-size folks to trust you. Yeah. Is, I think – and again, I don't want to overstep my boundaries as a straight-sized person speaking on this behalf, but I do feel like it's important to use whatever, like – influence and voice I have to advocate for it because I do really care and I I want to see it too because here's my criticism with Mew Mew again I love Mew Mew they're one of my favorite brands but if you can't be critical about your faves you probably I think grow up honestly (laughs) fair they're not always they're not always gonna do what you want them to do you're not always gonna like it just because it's this like designer you really like Mm -hmm. at least that's how I feel and I think like they are an example yeah. where it's like at least put it on like a curvier body on the runway. Even if that is like a size four, like show some hip or some chest. Like I don't know, something would be great. <laughs> like I want fast fashion to just like cease to exist, but I also understand there's a huge need for it. Um, like with accessibility, again, with the size inclusion, with price. Um but I, it makes me very uncomfortable. And I haven't bought fast fashion in three years. While I understand the need for it, um, the waste makes me deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. And fashion is a deeply flawed industry. Just because I love it um, does not mean I love the industry. I don't. I actually yeah. hate the industry. Like, it's very wasteful. Um, it's like 
killing the earth. I mean, you said this podcast not depressing, so I'm not going to tr- no, try no, not but to like, go there. But the point is, like, <laughs> the, you know, we need we need the little like glimpses into reality yeah. too. No, it's completely fair. And I mean, I think everything you're saying and everything you do really just feeds into like what the future of fashion should look like. Yeah. And it's more mindfulness around brands we're consuming. We're not giving in to just. Yeah, like marketing, strictly marketing, because I think that it goes back to this like brainwashed idea that a brand can do no wrong, as we know that is not true. And you should never feel that way about any brand. You should always hold your brands that you love accountable. And no, I mean, all of your criticisms are so valid. I think, you know, you know best. Honestly, you know, you know the most. And that's why I would say, you know, and I I know you don't like to put yourself on that pedestal, but I can say as a consumer, you're one of the few people I watch. And I know regardless of, you know, any opinions that you you make very clear what is like your opinion and what you have like sources fact and I learned so much from what you say and do and it allows me to consume differently like for instance let's go into the bow again I'm I don't want to pivot down this hole too far but um I was at a boutique in Greenwich and I saw these bows and I was like hell yeah moment it's a hair clip that I think only works if you like part your hair and do a hair tie because it sits on something but there were a few different, oh, sure. yeah, there were a few different like prints and things going on. And my boyfriend was actually really into them. He's like, do you like the bow? I think it's a cool bow. I'm like, yeah, I think I do. He's it's like, a cute right. bow. Oh, thank you. <laughs> if it gets your sample approval, I'm thrilled. Um, And so I was looking and I'm like, you know what? I love all the prints, obviously, but like realistically, what am I going to wear? And what am I going to mm-hmm. continue to wear? And what's going to go with the most? And so I wear it the most. goes back to that wear thing, like you were saying. And this ain't no cheap bow, y'all. This is a real deal bow. Like, this is an investment piece, believe it or not. And, um, you know, I was like, I, there was one with like little, had the little details. It had like a stitching. And I'm like, it's cute. But truthfully, I don't know. Six months from now, I have no idea. I can honestly say that I might put this in a closet for three months and then bring it back out and be like, I like you. You're coming yeah. with me. You're being worn to this wedding or you're doing that, you know? So kudos because I wouldn't think about it that way if it wasn't for also your trend reporting on things with bows, which we're going to get into right now, you guys. We're going to dive into the trend stuff because you've inspired me with all of this work. But if like if we can just get into it, if you don't mind, yeah, I would sure. love to just ask you also the process of like figuring out what a trend is, right? What does the process of identifying a trend look like to you? And um, is that always the same every time? Or do you feel like it just emerges or you notice it in patterns? Like, how do you analyze a trend? Or where do you even start? Yeah, I mean, this is... I can't give away all my secrets. Please don't. Um, <laughs> we, love, we love the mystique. You guys got to pay for that. <laughs> um, no, but there, I think there's two, like, major things that even like anyone can start doing Mm -hmm. if you want to be more observant about what's happening in the industry but of course look to the runway that's like the number one historical way people and other brands figure out what they're going to make and sell Um, however the runway is not dictating consumer trends anymore solely I think that's more from like a retail perspective in a way but like thrifting and secondhand and vintage are so like they've never been bigger Mm -hmm. actually um I think the industry itself has like tripled since like last year and it's just insane the growth um that's playing into the secondhand economy we love to see it we do we really do but all that said is the the runway is no longer the only place where consumer trends are happening um and i think a lot of them do come from like smaller subcultures Mm -hmm. and that's another thing with like like 
contemporary and modern um just like culture is the almost like segregation and niched down algorithms we get served are so much more specific than they used to be like if you're on fashion tiktok you're probably only on like um like main top tier fashion yeah. tiktok and then your like very specific interests yeah. um super niche and there's like a whole other side that you probably don't see because mm-hmm. it doesn't the fyp that doesn't think you're gonna like it or resonate with it or whatever so i think that being said a lot of a lot of trends are more focused into like specific subcultures and not necessarily on this like macro level. Um, However, I think a few, if I can get into like the resurgence of dresses over pants, I think has worked with, I've seen it with every single aesthetic minimalism, maximalism, fucking clown core avant basic, like every aesthetic I've seen wear this trend. This is a ma- I would consider more of a macro trend because it yeah. fits into so many aesthetics and so many like different styles can wear it and participate totally. in it. And guess what? You don't have to buy anything. Love that for you guys. You don't have to buy anything. You <laughs> can just pair that with what you already have. You probably right. have pants. You probably have a dress like right. um, or a skirt. I've seen the skirt over pants thing, too. Um, but that's a good one. Um, that was both something we're seeing with just you know, consumer mm-hmm. trends and what's happening on the runway. Right. No, 100%. Mm-hmm. Do you have any brands right now that you're truly upset? I mean, I want to like shout out businesses that you care about or like brands that you believe in. Like, are there any brands that really wowed you this season or like people that you're seeing that kind of resonate with like, or you're seeing like an overlap of trends or maybe you're like, I like what they're doing. They're leading the way. Anything that comes to mind? I think one of my favorite shows was Altazara in New York. Um, I don't want to I just look at it. Yeah. Seriously. Go look. It, it was amazing. And they showed a lot of dresses over pants in like the most chic, like luxurious way. Mm-hmm. And it had like a cozy feel too. Yeah. And I was like, this is perfect for um fall winter. And then obviously, like if you guys have seen my page like one time, you probably know. I am an unofficial Chipotle spokesperson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they have not acknowledged me yet, but they will. Emphasis on yet. Please, guys, if you are listening, to this, on your call page. me. Be Thank you. <laughs> no, but I, the reason why I talk about them and I wear them and I hunt for them um, so feverishly is because I believe in that brand. Yeah. Not only do they make amazing clothes, but their brand story is incredible. They went to Central St. Martin's. They're incredibly talented designers, but they source everything pretty much secondhand. Like all their material is like um, dead stock. Um, it's tartans mm-hmm. from sourced from Bulgaria. They're a Bulgarian. They're not. Well, one of the founders is Bulgarian, but they're based in London. Oh, cool. But all their like little charms and trinkets are dead stock. Like their everything is made um in like very short production runs like it's it's very much like slow fashion to me but that is also just so premium and amazing and i'm obsessed with them um and i'm just their whole like vibe and story and aesthetic just excites me because they definitely have the things like the carabiner skirt, the tartans, um, the huge puffy sleeves and volume that they stick with. Yeah. But every season they show something new, different prints, like even different fabrics and just very, very exciting to me. Um, so support them. I'm excited yeah. about them. Damn, you yeah. guys take like I said, the notebook is out. I'm hoping you're <laughs> taking notes. 
We're going to actually take a quick break right now, but while we're gone, here's a word from a creator on Galaxy. Hi, I'm Tess from Buki Vintage, and I sell colorful, funky, but wearable pieces on Galaxy. I got started selling secondhand because I love sharing the beauty and power of clothes with the world. I've been thrifting from a very young age and would find items that I love, but that I wouldn't personally wear. So it only made sense for me to start up my own shop and share the beauty of vintage and thrifted clothes with the world. I can't remember the very first thrift item I purchased because my dad took me from a very young age because he works in clothing and retail, but I loved sharing those bonding experiences with him and finding funky pieces that none of my classmates would wear. The craziest item I ever found in a thrift haul was a perfect 70s daisy print maxi dress. Perfect condition, looks like it came straight out of a movie and I felt so blessed finding it. <laughs> I like being my own boss because I love controlling what I do, what I sell, and at the time that I want to do it. I also feel like I'm a big personality so sometimes it's good for me to just manage myself. <laughs> My advice to anyone um, that wants to start selling is to really curate items that you love. I started to sell items that I thought other people would wear and then I kind of got lost in like what that meant and I think that people can really see your personality from what you want in your shop. Selling secondhand clothing makes me feel good because I know that I'm contributing to reducing the amount of waste in landfills I'm giving cute clothes to cute people and I'm providing a life for myself in the most sustainable way that I possibly can. Shop my store at shopgalaxy.com slash vintage. To dive into like some trendy things though that you've, I guess you've set the world, I don't know if set the world ablaze is the right term. I mean, you have definitely sparked some chatter on the interwebs regarding yeah. some trends that you've uh, predicted and we've seen come completely into fruition whether or not it was just like a small like they were resurging or whatever um indie sleaze comes to mind immediately yeah. i know that's probably like a buzzword in your head now and you're like i've only heard it 500 times this week um but that one especially rang true because i mean we just go back to like tumblr era like sourcing of all of these like aesthetic photos and just this like s this grunge underground energy that like has truly come back mm -hmm. up in so many ways it, like i said before though it's like i feel like in new york we see a lot of it regardless yeah, but do. it to see it on like a larger scale is pretty interesting um do you feel like though most of the trends that you're reporting on are recurring themes from the past or like blast from the past or is some of it fresh and new i feel like there's this idea and we know this to not be true that all fashion needs to be new and different when in reality it's such a recycling of ideas like mm -hmm. do you feel like a lot of it is like things that you've seen before or even 10 years ago 20 yeah, years ago i do mm -hmm. but also like what is new what is considered new like how can something be like completely new and different unless it's like super avant-garde um like surrealist like yeah like loewe is a good good uh point of reference like they do weird shit in Comme des Garçons they always show like new crazy silhouettes yeah. but people aren't going to wear that every day necessarily mm -hmm. like that's not really something you would see people buy into to the point where it becomes like a trend yeah I think there's always like room for new interpretations and new ideas like even with Y2K 
that's happening currently, probably at its peak. It's not copy paste because, again, the culture from 20 years ago does not just copy paste when a new aesthetic happens, like, or when an aesthetic has a resurgence. And I feel like a lot of people forget that. Mm -hmm. Um, One trend that I think the thing that I got the most hate for was bloomers. Um, Which I loved, by the way. That was actually something that like brought it. It really gave me this like biker short energy, but like ele- it was yeah. elevated. I think you might have even said this like elevated biker short. There was something about it, it was just like people didn't want to get. People were so resistant. I saw the hate. People stole I was my like troll video. I, I saw a troll video. I got tagged in this morning. No, about it. yeah, that was like in August. I can't. So, and it's like you talking about it just is going it's, to make it yeah it's solidifying more. it existing and it's, what's hilarious is barbie ferreira has worn them dua lipa has worn them so it's like it's happening i hate to be right <laughs> but, but also al- who we love to be right but too, also though. that you buy that on etsy or yeah. depop like you can get that that is like mainly only sold secondhand which yeah. we love um definitely got the most hate for that that's where i've i've actually like started um addressing it on my page because i think i was like so in shock for so long because again that was in august dude like august and they're still being you're still being tagged and stuff literally like on my way here (laughs) um but again i think that's like (laughs) what is new and people get very very upset where they're like this has existed already like this is already happening and it's like no shit we that's why we're talking about it but like how okay let's take like suits for example Mm -hmm. right people have been wearing suits for literally hundreds of years yeah it's not about the suit being new it's about the fit or what's being paired with the suit or what shoes you're wearing with the suit or the tailoring or the material like those are the little things that change and evolve over time it's not just the suit yeah like and yeah I mean, people, it's it's funny because you get criticism for talking about anything that's new and weird. But when you talk about things that are already in the cycle that are just getting an upgrade with styling or fabrics or yeah. something, you get called stupid. So it's like you can't really win. Yeah. But to answer your question, I would say most trends are some kind of revival or has to do with a difference in styling, fabrication, fit. Mm-hmm those types mm-hmm. of things um because what can actually be new that that actually holds and lasts right and then what can those trolls even tell you mm-hmm. what would they ever say is right or good truth is nothing's good enough because there is going to be no technical newness in their mm-hmm. eyes like unless they love it right and then that goes back to the fact that like this is all up for interpretation mm-hmm. so why the hell are you freaking out on the yeah. internet it, it just a spiral a spiral but no, I lo- thank you for breaking that down. Sure. I'd also love to break down some of your terms that I've learned from your page that are not necessarily. I know you you coined. Oh I have God. to say, let's go <laughs> let's go down this one. You, in my opinion, coined some of these things that then go viral as like in quotes these titles. Like you really are the pioneer, in my humble opinion, for some of these terms. Like, do you mind if we break down a couple of yeah, them and sure. you could take me down the rabbit hole of like info? Okay, cool. So first one, I'm sorry. Last time I'll bring it up, Indie Sleaze. Yep. So I actually didn't, that was not like, I did not name that, mm-hmm. but in actually an editor at, I think, I think it was Mashable did this like deep dive where she figured out where it came from. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Because I kept telling people, cause I've been interviewed on that. I, I've actually had to like 
take that keyword out of my inbox <laughs> because I still get emails about it and I can't be doing five interviews no. a day about it. Um, and also everything that needs to be said is already out it's there. It's out there, yeah. Uh, the Dazed piece was probably my favorite. Cool. Um, for anyone wanting a reference, Daniel Rogers wrote it. Um, and we kind of became friends after that. But yeah, Indie Sleaze was actually created by the Instagram account Indie Sleaze who had like 500 followers Which before I saw. I, yeah, now yeah. they're like a thing thing. No, now she's like huge. Yeah. But basically, this is how Indie Sleaze was tracked. I didn't track this. Uh, I think Rachel from Ashable did. Okay. Um, Olivia at Indie Sleaze on Instagram came up with that in early 2021. It got on Kari, which is something I reference. It's the Consumer Insights Research Institute. It's a nonprofit that catalogs aesthetics, not just oh, fashion. Wow, cool. It's a lot of – it's mostly design. Oh, sick. And then – I pulled the name from there. My video goes viral. Everyone writes about it. Yeah. That's how that happened. Gotcha. That's how the universe was built mm -hmm. around it. Yeah. Wow. When I, bef something I, I mean, and before we finish this segment, something that trend forecasters and researchers do is name the aesthetics. Yeah. Go on WGSN, go on Fashion Snoops. This is just what happened. This is an industry trend within a trend, if you could say. Yeah. But that's how you track things. Right. And something hilarious about naming aesthetics is I always search before um, before I post something to mm -hmm. see the impact. Indie Sleaze had 14 Twitter mentions before I posted that video. Now it's got, I don't even know how many, but even on uh, Google... It had like maybe a page or two. Yeah. Now it's just hundreds, Endless millions of results. Tags, for it. mentions, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's become that's one that's one of those things that has become way bigger than me. Mm -hmm. Possibly like the only thing like I've talked about the Tumblr aesthetic and that kind of thing. I've talked about a lot of things that have like gotten a lot of traction in mainstream media, but Indie Sleaze is the one that is way bigger than me. It's not even associated with me anymore. Yeah. Some sometimes they'll use my video um as like the reference point, but like that is something that's bigger than me. Mm -hmm. I mean, the cut wrote an article about the vibe shift and they didn't even credit me. Wow. So it's like it's past that yeah. now and I can't say I mind. Okay, you know. there we go. Retro-inspired futurism. I say that and mm. I see something in my head and it's something I've seen before, but I didn't, yeah. I would never know that, you know? It's like, it almost like brings back these memories of shows and you're like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. This is a real thing. Of course it is because it sparks all of these these things in your head and it just brings back, I don't know, it really gives perspective on what you're interpreting when you're interpreting fashion. But yeah. um, can I ask you about that one too? Yeah, retro-inspired retro, futurism. Yeah, retro-futurism. I mean, again, that's I did not come up yeah, with that. Yeah, that one's pretty... I feel like that one I've seen quite a bit. Mm -hmm. That's a 60s-inspired aesthetic during the space race. So when there was like the race to get to the moon, it affected everyday consumers oh, and wow. people had this like vision of what the world would look like like think about the jetsons yeah 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 like this oh, like funky God. like futuristic world yeah. and people did incorporate those like silhouettes and the colors like metallics had a big moment oh, but it was like a lot of futurism with 60 silhouettes like little shift dresses 
the mini skirt was invented around the same time. Right. That was probably one of the biggest trends I saw on the fall winter 2022 runway this season. Oh, yeah. And like surrealism too. Mm -hmm. I think the two kind of go hand in hand because retrofuturism was like, it was a kind of avant-garde, like people sort of dressing like astronauts in like a fashion forward way and courage with their little like, you could compare them to balaclavas, like the little point on the top and like suits or cat suits. Mm -hmm. So you see all this like, 60s inspiration being reinterpreted in like modern day and i saw a lot of people at the end of last year this is like something i noticed the year before too but um a lot of like just regular fashion accounts will do trend predictions um and i saw the kind of like novice accounts doing cat suits like every single video was cat suits cat suits cat suits and that's a trend directly from retrofuturism when it was quite popular um but you see a lot of 60s influence right right now Mm -hmm. but i i mean like i made a video to like connect that together because that's it's true like they are right about that but it's kind of coming from this more overarching um area in fashion that everyone is sort of like referencing right now courage has been doing it for many many years and Mm -hmm. their show this season was like very geometric and angular like really really cool but they've been doing that futurism thing and like Paco Rabanne is also a big one that oh, yeah. just always has some element of futurism for incorporated. sure especially metal I feel like the metallic like dress mm-hmm. like pant like the what's it called those like mirror like dresses and stuff yeah loved it yeah um my last term I really want to ask you about which I literally have like I'm t- like I feel like I'm in a tutu in my head when I think about this but Parisian ballet yeah. And the shoes, the sh- specifically, was it the Miu Miu ballet flats? It was the Simone Rocha ones. Oh. Yeah, people hated that too. Did they? Yeah, but now they love it. See? They hated me talking about it, but they yeah, Exactly. I think they they like to pin it on the person mm-hmm. talking about it. Yeah, give me the tea on that. When Again, did... that was August. That what? What's up yeah. with August being it was this same, like- Dude, it was the same video. I did like three. It was oversized suits. Checks out. Wow. Uh iterations on ballet flats Mm -hmm. checks out and bloomers checks out it all checks out but yeah but that's the video that like traumatized me wow wow (laughs) i mean i don't i understand though there's probably like when these things grow bigger like you were saying bigger than me is that like a feeling of overwhelm when you realize how they blow up or does it take the weight off at least of like the feedback you get i mean it's almost kind of satisfying yeah because it's like well i was fucking accurate and i haven't started doing this um there's this account i follow she reminds me of my account a little bit but she she's like a marketing genius Mm -hmm. a girl boss town Mm -hmm. so i'm i feel like i'm the fashion version of her and she's more like marketing (laughs) and she does this really fun very satisfying type of video where she'll stitch herself when she's right and i started doing it recently because i'm like you know what like i deserve to like Put my yeah. credibility on like full display because not everyone's just like reading days or mm-hmm. reading ID and seeing what's like being written yeah. about my forecasts. Like people aren't Googling my old loser in Brooklyn and seeing the c- content that gets written about yeah. me. So I'll show you. Yeah. And like I made this video about Julia, um, Julia Fox's eye look. Yes. And how like. No, no, she didn't invent 
the editorial smoke, yeah. makeup, no shit. <laughs> but that image, just like her wearing it, became like a point of reference. I'm not mm-hmm. saying like she wrote it, but that look is like ex- accelerating indie sleaze in 100%. the makeup department. Guess who wrote about it two days after that video? British fucking Vogue. <laughs> they co- copy paste, basically. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put this on my page. As you like, should. Y'all want to see like proof or whatever? Like people always say that. Proof, stuff. proof, proof. Show me. Like, proof. It's like the proof sorry. is in the pudding. No, it's okay. The proof is in the pudding. I'm like, I I don't know. It, it's like people just don't want to hear it when it's not there yet because there's yeah. this idea of like, you don't know better than I know. And it's like, well, I don't hear you talking about things you think are going to blow up sorry like maybe you should put out yeah. your opinions and we'll see if that works out like just so chaotic but no i that one is specifically was so interesting because then runway trends really you started to see like not that we don't see like a dark yeah. smoky eye on a runway but to say no, like of course i don't think there's a coincidence there i think it's just it yeah. shows there is like some sort of influence whether or not it was her or just people subconsciously getting that feedback from that image mm-hmm. like there's so much that feeds into why we see those trends happen but I like Versace. Versace does the smoky eye every season. Yeah. Every season. You know who doesn't? Chanel. Mm -hmm. And what did Chanel show on their last couture show? A fucking smoky black eye. They took it too far. (laughs) They were trying too hard. But like rarely see that type of bold, exaggerated look on a Chanel runway. So it doesn't surprise me the timing of it. And here's the thing. Do I think that's reference to me and my trend prediction no mm-hmm. but it's just a piece of the like quote vibe shift yeah. that i've been talking about so like trust me i'm not walking around here thinking chanel is inspired but like that's not what goes no, through my head because that's just first of all it's weird <laughs> but also like my, my forecasts are more about like cult like they're they're the intersection of fashion and culture right mm-hmm. so Again, that's something I've shifted my content to focus more about is like the cultural aspect and focusing kind of less on like specific pieces. I think that's mm-hmm. where I've gotten in trouble in the past. Um, but yeah, it's more about like this overall energy and yeah. not and less about the clothes themselves. Right. For sure. For sure. I love that. So how has like sustainability played a part in the work you do? Like, do you feel like trend forecasting has given you insight on like how important it is to be environmentally conscious in fashion or like what's the what kind of like symbiotic relationship do you see there how have you like interpreted it at least well you you can take sustainability as a trend almost right and, that, and that's another question i'm like do you mm-hmm. do you think sustainability is a trend no mm. i don't because i'm also a climate optimist i think once you get to be a, pa- a pessimist about the climate and environmentalism you're it's not going to be fun for you no. like you need to have optimism and like work towards doing what you can because trust me, I've been in that cycle where it's like, this is hopeless, like we're going to be on fire in a few years and you can't think that way. Mm-hmm. And sustainability is not is not a trend because G- Gen Z and millennials specifically, I think I, f- I think it was a Forbes study that got released a couple of months ago. It was like 73% of Gen Z and millennials prioritize purchasing something that has sustainability tied to it whether that's thrifting whether that's supporting a brand whether that's just being more mindful 
of what they're purchasing, 73% of Gen Z and millennials are thinking with a more sustainable lens when they're purchasing something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's significant, significant. And it's true, like boomers and Gen X still have a lot of buying power. But in 10 years, Gen Z will have um, a lot larger share of that buying power. And that's that's what I'm saying. Like when brands like Zara just like, do literally like one thing and then call themselves like sustainable a sustainable brand or like we're, we have sustainable efforts it's like no, no you don't yeah. like and also gen z and millennials after spending so much time so much of their life on the internet are harder to fool and they're also harder to market to mm-hmm. and that's why like everything from social media strategists to branding experts will tell you you need to be genuine or you're not gonna sell. Mm-hmm. So you have Shein, which tantalizes people with their low prices. Zara can't just like lie to people. Their prices aren't that cheap. Where people who want that sustainable factor will just be like fooled mm-hmm. into going there. So true. Um, so no, I I don't think sustainability is a trend. Um, and I think like everyone needs to think about it in like a bigger more like social change type of way because uh being like a climate pacifist or pessimist is really not fun no it's it it guarantees a miserable existence too um i also know you're really into like reselling and you know that's market how do you what really got you into that i guess and also like what's the importance of like archive fashion to you like how does how does this all play into what you do So I'm not really, like, I don't really care that much about, like, archive fashion. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not really, like, I don't, I mean, I like collecting from specific brands. Right. But it doesn't really, like, I don't really seek out, like, I want, you know, Simone Rocha 2010 or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And people are, people, I think, like, who are newer to fashion, like, I'm mostly thinking of, like, 19-year-old boys, um, will think that, like, they buy, you know, like one archive, however you define that. Like people call like Raph 2003. <laughs> yeah. Well, people will call 2003 like an archival piece or whatever. Right. And like I don't consider that archive mm-hmm. really. And I think people use archive and just like designer interchangeably. But again, like I'm not a snob about yeah, that. Yeah, really. Well, so that's also like, more just factually. Yeah, what you see is like factually true or not. Yeah. But I mean, like I collect from specific designers, mm-hmm. not super picky about what show it is because I want to be able to wear it. Yeah. You know, so oh, yeah. if it's like I'm collecting from 2010 and I don't like half the things, why would I do right. that? Um, so I'm more um, I guess I'm more purchased for like what I'm interested in. Like right now, I would say um I really am interested and inspired by like specific fabrics. Like I love tulle. I love cozy sweaters. I love tartan. I've always loved tartan. I love a big collar. I love a Peter Pan collar. Mm -hmm. Like why did I stop wearing Peter Pan collars for a few years? Like I've, that's a newer revelation I've had where it's like, this is one of my favorite cutest things like ever. Mm -hmm. And I stopped wearing it because I didn't think it was like cool anymore. And I'm like, fuck that. Like, no, I, I saw a, uh, comb tartan blazer at tokyo 7 that had a peter pan collar and i was like you're coming home with me like (laughs) i probably wouldn't have bought this a year ago because of the collar but i'm not but i'm like that's something i love right um but yeah i mean 
I, I'm also not trying to buy a lot right now because I feel like I have um, no control over the state of my room and my organization. So I actually have been doing more of like a call. Um, and I think I've always been interested in resale um, and shopping secondhand since I was a teenager. Yeah. Just because again, like uh, 15 years ago, thrifting was like not a f- like something you talked about. Mm-hmm. It was really rooted in like classism and um, you know, you were poor by default if you, um, because that was the original intent of secondhand stores, mm-hmm. but that's changed a lot. And now it's like a lot of people who care about sustainability, trying to save things from the landfill, trying mm-hmm. to upcycle things. Um, so I like that too. Yeah. But also like if you want to find something unique or something, you know, that inspires you that you might not be able to find it or want to spend a ton of money on, yeah. I would recommend that's a good place to start. 100%. And I've seen people like upcycling sheets and like blankets and stuff from the thrift. I'm oh, like, yeah. that is so fucking cool. <laughs> like, I I don't know. The creativity in the secondhand market does really inspire me. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like everything I've, I list for sale and stuff is like, I'm very sure that this belongs to somebody that can give it a better life than me Mm -hmm. and that's that's how I try to treat my clothes it's like they're not disposable if I feel the need to like pass something on I want it to go to a good home no of course I think that's that's just yeah it's it's not about like all right you're done it's like no what's next for you right totally totally yeah and I I feel like you probably already make really educated purchases to begin like you said like you're not trying to shop so much right now and that's that's an educated purchasing decision because you're deciding not to purchase and there's a reason for Mm it um that's really meaningful there is though like the sweater I actually wore this today on purpose this is a Paloma wool like swirl sweater that everyone has yeah this people probably think that or consider this sweater a micro trend. Really? Um, just because it was so, so popular like a year or a year and a half ago. I bought this sweater when I was like sort of tan- like thinking about the idea. Maybe I like the avant basic aesthetic. Maybe mm-hmm. that's for me. I quickly realized it was not for me. <laughs> but this is something that I picked up during that like phase. It was probably the last time I was like really heavily like I I, I think I want to like reinvent myself or whatever. Yeah. Um, which I don't think is ever really a good idea uh, for the long <laughs> and not term. everything is broken. We can't fix everything. Yeah, <laughs> but I held on to it because I actually really like the sweater. It's sick sweater, and I, I don't think it's like super one aesthetic or another. No. And I think you can play with it in different ways. Yeah, and this is just something that I bought because I thought it was trendy. That I've actually grown to really like, and um, I don't know. It's just, it's a staple of yeah. mine now. And I can't imagine my closet without it. It's so, it's amazing. It also, I can Thanks. tell it's like taken care of really well. And it, I love how you paired it with this. I guess, would you consider this a Peter Pan collar dress? No, it, no, it's like a, I don't know what, it's like more of a point than a Peter Pan, but it's yeah. like, it's a Ghani dress. I love their sustainable line. Cool. It's um, so cool. I like the, I like just like the contrast too. And yeah, it's like playing, it just goes back to like having fun with it and it could cross boundaries. It doesn't have to fit into one box and all the titles are really just to like help people create like some sort of identity around like the things they're seeing in this yeah. like Broadway. Um, no, I'm obsessed with it. I yeah. think it was a great find. But the point is the sweater wasn't marketed to my personal style necessarily. Yeah. Like I couldn't picture it um the way it was styled but that's 
sometimes you need a little imagination to picture it like on you if you get in tune with that I think it can be really really helpful because I don't know you can find good stuff pretty much anywhere if you are in tune with that right no 100% oh I love it it's sick I know we touched a little bit on micro trends what is a micro trend in your eyes and then just to follow up with that do you have a favorite trend least favorite trend moment right now like where's your head at with all of it I think a micro trend is just like a very simple way of saying something that doesn't sustain itself in the trend cycle for very long Mm -hmm. because everything even a classic item like a blazer or a straight leg pant is part of the trend cycle um it just is a constant so it has no dip essentially Mm -hmm. um and i think a micro trend would be something that reaches its peak and then goes into obsolescence very quickly Mm. sometimes you can recognize them sometimes you can't and a lot of the time it's these concepts of what lasts and what doesn't revolves around universal, not universal, um, revolves around agreed upon acceptance. Mm-hmm. And acceptance is actually what drives the trend cycle. Really? That's so yeah. interesting. So something that like could appear to be a micro trend could pivot into a real trend, like without knowing maybe? Yeah. But it also could drive into obsolescence just as fast. Mm-hmm. And that's those that's why language like chuggy is so dangerous because yeah. it drives the acceptance down quicker mm. than something that if you just left it alone and let it have its moment yeah. would be a lot longer. But I, I think that and that's like a basic rule of the trend cycle mm-hmm. is actually the um, the like second part. It's a uh, five part cycle. Mm-hmm. And the second part, while it's like kind of on the rise, is called acceptance. Oh, wow. So we really control a trend cycle more than we realize. Yeah. Like language and comment. Wow. It just goes back to how like important language and commentary is around mm-hmm. this stuff because you could very well be the reason why a trend like Parisian ballet like influence like stays around because it's like the conversation around it, like curating or cultivating this like following around it or fan base of it could be the reason why the fast fashion pieces that get produced during that time don't end up in a mm-hmm. landfill or don't end up at, well I'm I'm spiraling now mm-hmm. sorry guys but that's really really interesting to me I have two rules on my platform I don't talk about trends I hate okay doesn't fair. matter I've reported on trends I hate mm-hmm. but you wouldn't know it right because I don't I'm not putting that out there although I will say you know those um those pants from Amazon that are like mesh with diamonds on them yes that people are putting over jeans I hate those because I know they're gonna <laughs> rip in one wear and they make me sad because facts, that actually. it's just a net. Yeah. Like, and it's from Amazon. Like, there's a lot there. D- yeah. Dis- I would say anything that looks and is treated as disposable is a trend I don't like. That's, um, so that's more me being judgmental about those specific pants. But like, I look at them and I'm like, those are going to rip once you sit yeah. down. Damn. But that's a fair analysis. Like, that's a completely fair analysis of it as well. It's like, all right, I don't want to invest in pieces that I know are not going to exist that long for me and I know are just right. going to exist somewhere else with no purpose at all. Yeah. That's so fair. I, I, I think that's a fair criticism, of course. Yeah, I think that just goes back into like the disposable thing. I don't like I don't like to buy things and treat them as disposable yeah. and I don't like to see things that look disposable. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any advice for people that like find inspiration within current fashion trends, but want to create a like sustainable closet or approach it in a sustainable way? 
Sleep on it, man. <laughs> Sleep on it. Don't pull the trigger like the second you see something good. And also, if you want, okay, but if you are impulsive and you're going to do it anyway, mm-hmm. think about five to 10 different ways you'd wear something. Yeah. How would you style it with the closet you have? Mm-hmm. And buying a bunch of things to make this piece fit in does not count. Mm-hmm. If you can't do that, hold off and just wait for something else to come along that fits what is in your closet already. That's a mistake that I have, trust me, I've made tons of mistakes to get to where I am and to get to a place where I'm comfortable with with my closet and I'm happy and proud of my um, consumption patterns. And that is a mistake I've made many times where it's like, this is cute, I'm gonna buy it. And then it arrives to me and I don't know how the fuck to wear it. Or I can only wear it one way, or I can only wear it if I buy this type of shoe or jacket. Like. No, 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 no. And then if you think if you if you continuously purchase like that before you know it and it I mean, it does take time to curate your closet. But before you know it, everything goes together. Yeah. <laughs> everything in your like you can't put put a bad outfit together when right. you like everything you have. Seriously. It's like, so true. And that again, it comes with time. Um, but that's I think my my best advice. And also I put up a poll on my Instagram story the other day because I almost didn't post a picture of me wearing this dress that I've worn in like three of my other Instagram pictures. And I was like, wait, but I like this picture and I love the dress. Why? Like this is okay. Let's talk about this. Yeah. People are afraid to outfit repeat online. (laughs) And you know, what's wicked sad is like, I got like a hundred responses and I would say over half of them were because they were afraid to look poor or afraid to like appear like they didn't have other clothes. And that makes me so fucking sad because it, again, it reminds me of how thrifting used to be thought of back in the day. Mm-hmm. And it's like all these ideas, and I'm actually doing a series on TikTok right now, breaking down arbitrary fashion rules that are like I love outdated. It. I love it by the way, I've been watching already. Thank you. It's so good. But if you've noticed a pattern, a lot of it is all rooted in classism mm-hmm. and like the fear of appearing like you're poor or you don't have enough money for like clothes like and it's just sad yeah i don't know like i i will dig into that more um because it's i think it's really substantial it's it's heavy that's a heavy realization to come to um and it's also profound like those stories are profound and they're not just like they're they're not arbitrary those stories yeah they're real and it's and yeah, it's just crazy how historically fashion has turned into this. And it goes back to like the how fast we're consuming and consumerism has shifted so much in even, what, 20 years, right? The amount that we're consuming now is like incomparable mm-hmm. to what we were seeing pre-2000s, really. Um, and it's just a reminder that like this new age of like broadcasting our fashion mm-hmm. It's up to us. It goes back to trend, the trend acceptance. It's up to us to start the trend of normalizing outfit yeah. repeating. And we have to like kind of lead that conversation. And it sucks that it's even a conversation that needs to be had when yeah. in reality we should never be. Fe- ju- it's really we're judging ourselves and then we reflect and judge on others because we feel that yeah. pressure. But um, no, thank you for talking about yeah. that. And I'm really excited to continue to watch the series. Thanks. I'm already loving it. I've been watching today. It's been awesome. It's just crazy because like that is kind of like the root of half of these, like don't wear white after Labor Day. Don't mm-hmm. mix blue and black together. Yeah. Like there's, they all come down to like these ugh, really 
upsetting judgments about um, class status. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. Ugh. Well, we need you mm-hmm. to tell us about these things. And I'm so grateful that you're touching all this. Guys, if you're not obviously watching Mandy's stuff on TikTok, go check out the series. It's already thriving and doing its thing. My last question is going to be, what is one piece that has stood the test of time? The test of time. Hmm. I That's an interesting question. Probably handbags. Yeah. I don't think I could ever get sick of my handbags. Um, do you, are you a big handbag collector? Like, do you have a ton? So actually, this year, I want to buy my first designer handbag. Oh, I don't know what it will be, though, because, again, I like designer, but in a specific way. Mm-hmm. It's like I like Courage, but I'm not like I'm not like a, in the same way as I like Prada. Yeah. You know sure. what I mean? For sure. So I don't know what it will be. But a lot of my bags are by like smaller designers. Like I have a Susan Alexander here with me today. I um, love that bag. It's so cool. Yeah. Like just all the like um, the clips are just special too. Yeah. It's really functional too because it's like a, a crossbody yeah. like fanny pack type thing. So sick. Um, but yeah, I think my bags are like all pretty like weird and <laughs> funky. But they're all by, again, like smaller artists and emerging designers. So I haven't... Sp- I haven't actually dropped a lot of money on any bag. And I think this year I want to buy my first, I think I want it to be a Miu Miu, uh, maybe like 2012 collection bag. But I don't know. I don't like care that much about it that I'm like hunting every day, but I, that's like a goal for this year. It's like a more, when you see the bag, you'll know it's the bag type thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm also big on like function too. So I would say like bags and coats Mm -hmm. are the things that will stand the test of time. Like the coat I wore today, it's a wool cape. I bought it for $7. And it's so, like, it's lined with silk. It's so nice. Oh, my God. And it's it looks like I feel like an Upper East Side grandma in it. And I love that. <laughs> and you're powerful. And you're a superhero in yeah. it, too. There's, like, this duality. But no one would know it was $7. No. That's the other side of fashion that just shows, like, it's so... It has nothing to do with that, right? And the yeah. capitalist interpretation of it, it's just not about that. It's about like how you make it your own and you've done that in so many ways. And I'm just like looking at the pieces you're wearing today, looking at all the stuff you've made. Like, thank you seriously yeah. for the work you do because thank you. I think your perspective, no, like seriously, your perspective, I'm sure a majority of our like v- like listeners and viewers, you know, they already know who you are, but the impact that your work has on people is more than you realize. And I think even on this like micro level, you're inspiring people to think outside the box. Like, honestly, if I'm being real and breaking down my fit, I felt more excited and like liberated mm-hmm. today than I ever have on an episode when it comes to exploring something. Like I felt like very, it almost felt borderline cosplay for me today. Cause I was like, wow, really? like <laughs> it's really, out- it's a little outside of my style, but also things I own. So it's like, right. well, is it that different if it's mine? And I don't know. I don't know how inspired I would have been to do that if it wasn't you sitting across the table. So Aww, thank you. Thank you. No, seriously. Nice. Well, you guys, if you don't know Mandy already or don't have her everywhere, please follow her. Can you share your handles with everyone so everyone can find you? I'm Old Loser in Brooklyn yeah, on baby. Instagram and TikTok. And I have a spam account on Instagram, Moodboard for Losers, where I just post like stuff on my camera. Oh, wait. Wall. That's so sick. I love that. Oh, yeah. I gotta follow that. It's basically just like my stories, but hard posted oh somewhere it's so fire yeah. oh i'm gonna be following that thank you now i have something new to follow oh and i also have a newsletter on substack it's called cyclical but it's also old in brooklyn.substack.com oh, where i can awesome. it's it's basically my writing for free oh that's great <laughs> yeah um get on that please that's amazing thank you thank you thank you yeah. for being here today i so appreciate you mandy thank you 
Guys, this has been Finding Fashion. I hope you found some fashion during this episode, and I hope you found someone that you can look to to find fashion with you. And before you guys leave, please make sure you follow Mandy on everything. Also, check out our live shows happening on shopgalaxy.com. You can follow Buy on Galaxy on Instagram for updates. And subscribe to Finding Fashion wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us a review. Tell us your favorite piece that Mandy shared today. Give us a tea. Give us something. You can easily find me at Pojo on Instagram. If you want to get silly, it's at Pojo Jojo on TikTok. <laughs> and this has been Finding Fashion, you guys. Thank you so much. Mandy, thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye, guys. See ya. Bye.